Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that I just spent the last 20 minutes talking, sitting on my microphone, so you couldn't hear any of it. So I'm re-recording this for you because I love you that much. Uh, Today's real cool fact of the day is that Holistic medicine is used by about half the world's population, and that the WHO, the World Health Organization, which is not a friend of alternative medicine or quite often stuff that works, other than very basic, uh, like sanitary measures, but they're estimating that between 65 to 80% of the world's population uses what they call alternative medicine as their primary form of healthcare, compared to only 10 to 30% of people use conventional medicine, which actually means that. Since the vast majority of people use alternative medicine, that's conventional medicine. And what they, could, they call conventional medicine is actually a radical alternative if only 10% of the world is using uh, the, the burn, uh, burn and poison uh, model of medicine, which is the one that, that's quite often promoted that way. What's nice is there's a refreshing change coming and that the WHO is now recommending traditional Chinese medicine for worldwide propagation which is kind of neat. So traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and herbs are really, really cool. I just have some concern that if the WHO does that, they'll turn it into something else because they have a history of doing that. Uh, it's very much about business, not about uh, human health. And WHO executives listening, if there are any of you, dude, we've got your number. Like, we know what you're doing. <laughs> like, it's no great secret. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's what social media and that's what research and truth and facts and all could do. So... If I didn't already hint a little bit, we are going to be talking about medicine today, not just human performance. And quite often, I'll interview researchers, I'll interview super top performers, top performing executives, or uh, occasionally a celebrity. And occasionally, we're going to just talk about the business of medicine because it directly affects you and how you have access to the things that make you feel good all the time. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. 
Today's guest is James Maskell. James started his career as an investment banker, but he has studied health economics, which is a really interesting field because we're looking at not just economics, but we're looking at like how do people spend their money to live longer and feel better and to stay well. And decided after a year in banking that he wanted to work with integrative medicine or functional medicine. And he founded something called Evolution of Medicine, which is an e-commerce platform that lets doctors manage their practices better with customized tools and things like that so they can become more functional doctors and that they can just to make it easier for the transition to come from I'm basically a trained representative of big pharma. And by the way, a huge number of doctors listen to that, and I don't mean to denigrate what you're doing there. I just mean that the training is quite often sponsored by big pharma, and a lot of the best physicians, the ones who are my personal friends, they spend a lot of time and money paying for training after medical school to learn about stuff that works that simply is not in the paradigm that's taught in traditional school. So you learn one set of things in school, then you go out to start your practice, and you're like, I needed something else. And that's what, uh, why we have James on the show today, because he's spent a lot of time looking at what doctors need to have that something else so that they can do things that provide the best possible care for patients, whether it's conventional or alternative. So welcome to the show, James. Uh, great to be here with you, Dave, and thanks for that great intro. Now, what's your definition of functional medicine anyhow? You know, functional medicine is a uh, a new paradigm, an operating system, essentially for delivering care that's really designed for chronic disease. You know, the, the reason why my company is called the Evolution of Medicine is because medicine is is adapting to its new environment, right? Medicine was created, and, and conventional medicine, as you you called it earlier, was created in response to mainly acute disease, where you have a single cause and single effect. And now medicine is trying to adapt to this new environment of chronic disease, which is driven by lifestyle, is driven by, and it's multi-systemic, it's across many different organs. And so that linear model of thinking doesn't really work. And so functional medicine has been around since 1991. Uh, it was started by a guy called Dr. Jeffrey Bland. It's been propagated by, it's growing in, in popularity. It's now in the Cleveland Clinic. And, you know, um, it, there's many definitions of it, but it really focuses on a few main areas. One, root cause resolution. So getting to the cause of the uh, of the dysfunction. Two, is there a therapeutic partnership between the patient and the doctor? So you're really looking to involve the patient in their care. So they actually have to participate. It's not just done to them. And the third thing I think is that it's it's in a system approach. So you don't see each organ in isolation. You see it as, a, you know, you see as the systems interacting and the interdependence of systems. So those are the, the, the sort of building blocks on which it's built. And essentially what we saw, I was, you know, I, I got involved in integrated medicine and even bioenergetic medicine. And what I, what I started asking the question, which I thought no one else was asking, which is, if this is the future of non-communicable disease, which, by the way, I was at a conference earlier this year where the WHO was present, and they were essentially coming to the conclusion that this medicine is the future of non-communicable disease, um, they, you know, what I realized is that functional medicine was kind of difficult to learn. You know, you, you said your doctor yeah. friends who go to these conferences, you have to pay $1,000 to go to the conference. There's no content online at all about it, like professional content. The companies who are delivering it are acting like it's the 1980s. So the first thing we did was just to put it all online for free so doctors could find out about it. And then, you know, what we really realized is the roadblock wasn't necessarily the clinical understanding of of why this is a better form of medicine because I think most doctors intuit 
that they're not getting to the cause and that they need a different set of tools to work with chronic disease. But I think what we realize is that what's really difficult is to actually build a practice doing it because the practice of this type of medicine looks very different than the other practice. You can't really industrialize it in the same way as you can with acute disease. So we've spent the last three years really looking at what are the best uh, technologies, tools uh, to be able to run a successful practice. And that's where we find ourselves today. I've often sort of scratched my head when I look at, at this model that says, all right, we're going to do a big double-blind clinical trial. We're going to spend a million dollars. And we're going to look at these, these things. We're going to look at patients, and we're going to look at methods. And we're going to see which methods work on the patients. Now, the fact is that every patient is different genetically, and they're certainly different environmentally. Uh, and oftentimes we ignore a lot of those things. But for some reason, that doesn't make any sense to me, the other variable that is just as important is the professional, the healer applying the method. So if you were to do a true double-blind study, like, look, the patient has to do the method on themselves, and then it's double-blind. Otherwise, could it be entirely possible that... James, if you were to do acupuncture on someone, and I, as an untrained person, was to do acupuncture on someone, that we might get different results, even if we're using the same method, right? I think it's totally, totally justifiable. And, and never mind the microbiome, right? The microbiome <laughs> is completely different on everyone. So how do, you, how do you control for the microbiome? Something that if you asked a gastroenterologist 10 years ago what it was, they have no idea, even though that's their organ of specialty. In fact, I, I just interviewed uh, David Perlmutter, uh, of Brainmaker fame, yep. who's certainly a big functional medicine guy, uh, just a, a little while ago, and, and we talked about exactly that. So when we look at these things, I think it's just as important that we include the the training and the quality of the, the functional medicine provider versus just does this form of functional treatment work, because it, it's not like that. It's, it's like paint by numbers doesn't work for what works to make people feel good. Absolutely. Well, I know, Dave, you're, you're involved with the, the Silicon Valley Health Organization. And if you go to Silicon Valley and you ask people who are really smart, like Dan Kraft, who runs the Singularity University Future Med, they point to a type of medicine as the future of chronic disease, which is called P4 medicine. And that was from uh, Lee Hood, I think, came up with that idea. But it's, it's um, personalized, it's preventive, it's participatory and, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really looking at, and uh, predictive, that's the fourth one. So that it's really looking at this sort of new era of medicine. So then you step back and you go, okay, well, we need predictive, preventive, participatory medicine, personalized medicine, not medicine for the average human, but for this human in front of me. And you think, well, how could we scale that up? How could we get a million doctors trained in this new type of method? And the thing that functional medicine has that none of these other methodologies have is a reproducible operating system to be able to train as many doctors as you need at the same time. And so that's why we decided to call our show the Functional Forum and really double down on, um, on functional medicine because it has that core operating system. And, um, you know, so, and, and you're, t you're totally right. You know, the, the old medicine was what's the best for the average human. And now we realize everyone's unique and technology is arriving to, for us to be able to be able to deliver that at a certain scale. And so um, I think what I've described it as is a grand convergence, you know, the convergence of biohacking and technology and the massive rises in chronic disease, the huge payer issues where no one can afford to pay for all of these chronic diseases. And America's not, it's the worst as far as the cost, but 
all other countries are moving in this direction as we export McDonald's and Coke and all the stuff that um, caused it in the first place. It's tough for people listening, and I get this question all the time. And, and they're, they're saying, all right, how do I find a good functional medicine practitioner? And I've got a few people listed on, on the Bulletproof site, like a, kind of a, a little physician's director. But these are people who are super Bulletproof. And you can go to like IFM and, and you can go to uh, all sort of different places. But how would you, and by the way, I should tell people, you wrote a book called The Evolution of Medicine. Like you've actually studied this. But how would a listener know that they're finding the right functional medicine practitioner? So I got a stat for you. Uh, three years ago, about 200,000 people went to that IFM website. In 2016, over a million people will go there. So there is a massive demand for functional medicine. It's only it's growing very, very quickly. You know, the, the truth is, if you look out at the ecosystem and you say, okay, how could we actually build a medical system built around functional medicine? The truth is the biggest elephant in the room, there's just not enough doctors, right? And And if you go to the IFM website, what you'll be what you'll be sort of horrified to find is that not all of those doctors on that listing are practicing. And in fact, that's the biggest problem. You call up the number. This guy took a course two years ago, but he's still working his job in emergency room medicine because he couldn't work out how to build a practice because at this moment in time, the only way to practice functional medicine is to be an entrepreneur. There's no jobs. The Cleveland Clinic's hiring. Some practitioners have done a good job and have built a strong practice at hiring another physician, but you know, there's, there's no jobs going around. And, And the, you know, if you're if the only doctors you can see are ones that just tend to be good at entrepreneurship, I'm not sure if you're going to get you know the cream of the crop. So what we've but, but by the way, I just want to say the percentage of doctors who are good at entrepreneurship as a percentage is way lower than any other profession on earth. Totally, and go to another country <laughs> like the UK where everyone who's a doctor has been trained that they're going to work for the NHS, and then it's basically approaching zero. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world um, in that way. So, you know, what we decided to do was just, we saw this blockage. I'm not a doctor. I have no medical training. I happened to build the biggest um, conference in this space because we just basically put it all online for free and tried to make it interesting and fun and not boring like most conferences. And, um, you know, this, we really set about this looking out to the industry and say, what is the model that's actually working? And what we've seen, Dave, and, and I think you'll like this, is, is this idea of a functional micro-practice. So a micro-practice basically means a low-overhead practice where you can essentially deliver functional medicine off a laptop. You don't need so much stuff to deliver functional medicine. It's really about building relationships. It's really about you know, um, you know, getting to the cause, uncovering uh, the cause. And then there are all these technologies now that have been funded by Silicon Valley to help the delivery. So one of the one of the coolest ones that I think you'll get a kick of, these are one of our sponsors on the show, are called Igbo. So they're Uber for phlebotomists. So rather than having a phlebotomist in your office, you can send a little, basically like an Uber driver who happens to be a phlebotomist to your patient's house and they can do the blood draw you know, at, at their home or office. And it takes, it takes compliance from about 60% to over 98%. So that's just the, one example of a technology that can help to reduce the overhead. And now you see these kind of practices popping up in businesses, in co-working spaces, in community centers, in gyms, in CrossFits, where people actually are. It, it, by the way, it, it's funny. We've got Bulletproof Labs opening in Santa Monica, which is uh, it, we actually have a blood a phlebotomist because we're doing intravenous nutrition. 
and that is through a, a medical partner that, that is affiliated with the location, but primarily it's a human hacking laboratory. And it's like that's just one thing that you can do when you're at that location. But then there's all this big gear that isn't what you'd find in a club. But the, the whole reason for doing that, aside from the fact that getting IV nutrition is good, is that it's damned hard to get a blood test if you just want one. You have to go wait in line at, at your normal doctor. You have to get a permission slip. You have to pay the doctor. You have to beg the doctor to say yes. If they have never heard of the test, they often won't do it. And then you got to go wait in line at LabCorp or Quest to get a blood drawn. And then they give you crap about it too. So I, like, I hope those Igbo guys put LabCorp and Quest out of business for their phlebotomy side. I'm happy they're running tests, but it's yeah. the worst customer experience you could ever have to get your blood drawn. It, it's, it actually pisses me off. No, it pisses a lot of people off. And I would say one thing that's working, another thing, should I say, that's working in our favor here is in this grand convergence is there's a massive movement towards, you know, that's consumer health, right? So there's now all these resellers of Quest and LabCorp where you can actually go directly and, and do it directly. So that's changing. I mean, it's changing right now where like 23andMe started the rot where suddenly they realized, oh, wow, if you let patients order their own labs, then it's much more efficient and people have their data and people actually like doing that. And so you're now seeing it starting to, um, you know, starting to move in that direction. I, I can tell you an insider tip. I can't tell you who told me this, but I can tell you that Quest and LabCorp's business model right now is to crush everyone else, to literally like put all the small labs out of business. And that's one of the reasons why Igbo is valuable because they're making it easier to do the kind of labs that actually describe what sort of function you have, the functional blood chemistries, the functional gut um, uh, labs, you know, the, the function of liver and kidney labs. Like those are not traditional labs, but they're super useful to understand where you are and where you're going. And, um, and so they're making it easier for doctors to use those labs. So there's a lot of people working on behalf to push functional medicine forward. And, uh, you know, I think that if you're a biohacker, if you're a listener to Bulletproof Radio or you follow your work, I would say that the majority of those people would aim for a functional medicine doctor because they want someone who knows as much about nutrition as them. There's, they would be super embarrassed going into a regular doctor's visit and the doctor has no idea what's going on. It just wouldn't fit with their philosophy now that they've educated themselves. It's interesting in that there are, are thousands of functional medicine doctors who actually recommend bulletproof coffee <laughs> to certain of their patients or carry it in their in their practice, uh, and those are the more entrepreneurial ones because they're they're carrying products because like I got to make a living, so I'm going to keep some products here to be convenient for my patients and all of that. But there's for every one of those, there's probably ten more doctors who are like, I have no idea what that is, uh, but you know I'm concerned about something or another and. And it's a very mixed experience. So I, I'll maybe ask the question a little bit of a different way, but how the heck am I supposed to know? Well, I would know because I'm friends with a lot of these people, but how the heck is, is a, a, a normal non-Bulletproof Radio host going to be able to go to Yelp, which is a terrible place because Yelp has a model for uh, um, charging you more uh, to, if you want positive reviews, but like, where do you go to know if you've got someone who, like I said, took a course three years ago or someone who's like, quality, uh, who, who's someone who has availability. A lot of the best functional guys have a two-year waiting period. Like, like what's, the, what's the secret sauce to just know if you're wasting your time? You know, I think, I think the systems that uh, will deliver that sort of knowledge are underway and being built. I think the, okay. the industry has that much, you know, I mean, we, we're looking to, to, to solve that problem. But the biggest, when we looked at the bigger landscape, Dave, what we saw was 
the number one thing. You could build those systems today, but the biggest problem is there's just not enough functional doctors to go around, right? If okay. you built a really beautiful system, you could you know, drive a lot of demand for them and you could have a great Uber-style feedback system. But at the end of the day, there's just not enough doctors to go around and everyone would be too busy. So what we set out as the first part of our mission is like, let's increase the supply. Let's convince, first of all, let's create a system for those current doctors that know this is the right thing, that have the sort of you know, moral uh, obligation to practice it, but still can't work out how to do it because they haven't worked out how to be an entrepreneur. And so this low overhead model can work for them. Then it's like the next group of doctors, primary care, family medicine that realize that something's wrong. Maybe they're working in a hospital that has a McDonald's or Burger King in it. Maybe they are just sick of seeing people getting sicker and sicker and putting them on a treatment plan where there's literally no ends in sight. Um, and, and are having sort of a, a moment where they realize this is the kind of medicine they want to practice, but they don't know how to get there. Let's bring those people across. Let's get them set up with a functional micro practice. And then phase two could be something like what you're talking about. But on the, on the, on the, on the, on the general, I would say those doctors that have made it to functional medicine thus far have pretty much made it because their kid was sick or they were sick or their yeah. wife got sick and they felt like they were morally obligated to practice it. So in general, and there are outliers to this, of course, it's probably like a bell curve, but the middle of the bell curve functional medicine doctor cares about doing the right thing, really wants their patients to get better, is trying to learn to be a better physician and is just, you know, probably better a better clinician than a business person and so hasn't been able to develop like a scalable practice where they could see where they couldn't deliver value outside of just sitting across from someone and just working with them and that's what we're really helping people to do the the problem is that if you are a healer you'll you're attracted to the practice of medicine you're not an entrepreneur and attracted to the practice of entrepreneurship. And that's perfectly okay. It, it's actually a different mindset. And there are a few, like I'm, I'm thinking uh, like uh, Daniel Amen has a successful practice and he's a successful physician. Mark Hyman, these are all friends, people have been on the show. Uh, Mark Hyman, he has his own practice. It's a thriving practice and it's run like a business. And all of the ones I know who have successfully created a practice like that that's not just a micro practice where they have other people working with them. They're, they're all partnering to find someone who's, who is either operational or entrepreneurial to build it because there isn't another way. And if what you're doing is allowing them to, to do it or to have a less expensive head of operations, it gets really cool. But even the, the idea, and I say this like having worked with a lot of doctors and just being an entrepreneur, the idea of, of giving up control like you're a healer, you're supposed to be in control. Like, like a doctor's like, for God's sake, I can stop a human heart and hold it in my hand and start it again. Okay, that's kind of the ultimate control over life and death. So to give the control up to allow the business to run while you focus on healing is one of the scariest things you can do. So if there's a tool set, the stuff you're working on, James, that allows even just better visibility into what happens, I think you could enable a lot of doctors who frankly, have no business being entrepreneurs because they'll be crappy entrepreneurs. And when they put their energy away from a patient and into running a business, they will be unhappy as human beings and they'll be a less effective care provider. Like it's actually a waste of a precious physician's time to like worry about an advertising budget. Like, like it, it's a sin to do that, but someone has to do it and you're yeah. giving tools to make it less of a sin. 
Totally. And and whether or not the industry ends up looking a bit more like CrossFit, where you have sort yeah. of like the low overhead environment where it's owned by the local provider and you've made it easier, or whether it ends up looking a bit more like, I don't know, um, Massage Envy, right, where there's a company that owns it and then the practitioners are just sort of the employees, really just depends on to what degree physicians want to stand up and be entrepreneurs um, and, and how they can, you know, set up those systems. But look, the other thing is, Dave, is Imagine, imagine, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Imagine being an entrepreneur in an environment where one, there is so much paperwork that you have to do that it takes yeah. 2.4 uh, paperwork people per doctor to get, get it done. Two, you know, the, the company that pays you can choose to pay you after 90 days or whatever they want. Three, if they change their terms of service after they paid you, they can go back into your bank account and take the money back. I mean, that's, that is not, an, uh, an environment where entrepreneurs thrive, and that is the insurance system. And so some of the things that we're looking at is like, how do you get out of the system? So some of the most progressive practices that we're seeing are using something called direct primary care, which is essentially super easy model. You know, I pay $100 a month. Actually, my doctor in New York uses this, and um, she has a functional medicine practice. I pay $150 a month. Uh, that's a flat fee. I get five visits during the year. I have unlimited access to health coaching. Um, you know, they use all the technologies. So I've, I own my own data. I have an online portal where I can ask questions. They have no phone number. You can't call that clinic. There's no phone number at all. They don't even have a front desk person because they're built bringing down the overhead to make it affordable for me. And so that's the kind of model that we're helping people to, to provide. You get out of the system, you just take cash. And so a regular doctor who, you know, could see 500 patients out of a a co-working space at a hundred dollars a month, you know, they're making 50 grand a month and you know, they're, they're in good shape to be able to, you know, to be able to build a successful practice. So, you know, those are the kind of things that we're looking at because really trying to be an entrepreneur in the environment of, of insurance is insane by itself. It, for more than 10 years, I, I've said one of the primary ways to tell that you're dealing with a really good functional medicine practitioner is that they refuse to do insurance paperwork. Like, yep. like, and this, this is sad because I'm not, I'm, by the way, the doctors who care enough to do insurance paperwork and are good functional medicine people, I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying that, that so many of the rock stars just realize like they wake up one day and, and they're losing sleep and they're spending hours and hours of their precious time as a, a, a healer who spent 20 years learning how to, how to help someone instead of helping someone, they're signing papers and like, you know what? I'm done. And then they, they're just like, my time is valuable enough. I'm going to charge $400 an hour or I'm going to do this uh, concierge or this, this monthly primary pay thing. And I, it, it makes me happy to hear that you're enabling that for people. And, and there's a little story here too. My wife is a Karolinska-trained physician who ran emergency rooms. Like Karolinska is one of the top 10 schools out there. Like she's a, a, a quote, a real doctor. Uh, and her practice today is over Skype. It's not a medical practice. It's a consulting practice. And it's based on our first book, The, the Better Baby Book. And she has a, a small number of clients, and she works with them on a, on a weekly call basis or a monthly call basis to help them get pregnant without IVF. And she she's, works with their physicians, and they pay their physicians. They have insurance or they don't. It's not her business. But she acts as an advisor and a coach. And it's a phenomenally successful model. And she can do this basically from home. We have our kids. Uh, she has Skype. And her clients are around the planet. And some of them are like really influential people. 
and they love it, and they pay a few hundred dollars an hour. I don't even know what her exact billing rate is. But it's completely changed her stress levels. And if you look at the earnings from someone who's, who's gone down that path, they might be the same, they might be less, but it's almost all word of mouth, and, and it, it's, it's chill. And that's something that healers need to be the best doctors possible, is they need to not take their extra time and use it on boring business operations. They need to use it to recharge themselves and to, like, and to study and, and to become uh, better at what they do instead of better at paperwork. So I've watched the transformation in her from doing that. And you know we're very, very fortunate because I'm running Bulletproof and all, and, and she has flexibility that maybe a, a primary breadwinner wouldn't, but it is a viable model. And she's got a better lifestyle than most doctors. Yeah, totally. Telemedicine is a, is a game changer. And look, the, I know plenty of doctors that are breadwinners that are basically doing exactly what your wife yeah. is doing. They, you know, they maybe see, I got a doctor friend in San Francisco. She went from, talk about micro practice, right? She went from seeing all of her patients in San Francisco to then now she has one day a week where she sees new people and people that need to see her. Everything else is via telemedicine. Patients like it more. They don't have to drive to your crappy office to go and you know to go and see it and once they've developed that initial relationship it's so easy and so that is definitely the way of the future and, and you hit on a, a big point there dave and the, the the subtitle for my book is join the movement to solve chronic disease and fall back in love with medicine because the other massive issue that we're facing chronic disease is a huge issue but i don't know if you know this but Physician suicide is a massive thing in America, so much so that a million patients, if you multiply the number of doctors that commit suicide each year by their patient base, it's over a million people. And that's really scary. And there's a lot of uh, suicide. And what it's just a function of the fact that, you know, some doctors... First of all, medical schools like post-traumatic stress disorder, for sure. <laughs> and, then, and then you add on top of that doctors who like get stuck in industrialized medicine. It's not what they thought it would be. They realize they're just pill machines. They're seeing the seven-minute visits, and it's really disturbing. And so you know, what we see, if you ask a group of functional medicine doctors, do you enjoy your work? All hands go up. They love it. In fact, the uh, Institute for Functional Medicine did a survey recently and showed that the majority of functional medicine doctors want to practice beyond their 75th birthday because they're so jazzed by being able to really help people in the way that I, I think that most doctors thought they would when they started medicine. And so, you know, what my book is, is basically a handbook. The first half of it is a hero's journey, essentially to try and get doctors to, um, you know, call them to adventure, to practice a type of medicine re relevant for today's diseases. And then the second half of the book is a step-by-step -step guide on how to build this low overhead micro practice, which could form the, the sort of the basis of the mega practice down the road. But one of the other things that we've seen in this first era is everyone wants the big practice. They want to have a big wellness center with all the providers. And then you've got the huge overhead that you're trying to fight <laughs> and you're trying to learn how to be an entrepreneur in a large overhead environment. It's led to a lot of failed wellness centers. So the most effective model is to build, build the client base, build your marketing skills, build your word of mouth while you're in a low overhead environment. It's more like um, the difference between build it and we will come and they will come and the lean startup, right? And this is a lean startup medical practice, basically. It's important work that you're doing, which is why I, I had you on the show. A, a lot of people wouldn't know this. Uh, my career is in Silicon Valley. You would know that. But one of the very first jobs I had out of college, I was the the main IT support guy for a hospital with 500 doctors. That sounds so, horrible. 
the only people maybe worse than doctors, this is speaking as an IT professional, um, are maybe bankers, just in terms of demands and just, just high maintenance. So these doctors are, are that same thing. I can stop a human heart and I can't reboot my hard drive. Like, ah, and then they, they just lose it. But this was in a traditional hospital setting in, in Central California. And you could watch what happened. You have these, these people who are, are good at healer at healing. They're, they're medical people. I fundamentally believe that the doctors, they get energy from helping people. That's why they do what they do. Totally. And, and then you turn them into administrators. And there's some of them are like, you know, I learned medicine, I practiced for two years, and I love administrating. And they're good people, and they're good administrators, and they probably weren't the best doctors, which is why they were naturally brought into, uh, like, into their calling, which was like, I can help doctors instead of helping people. Uh, not that doctors aren't people, but you know, helping patients. So this just doesn't work, though. Like you said, if, if you build a... Uh, a medical practice and you build this big wellness center, you better have big financing. Like I, I just opened the 40 years of Zen. I, I've been doing this through partners and cobbling stuff together. This is a neurofeedback facility. It's non-medical, but it's, it's a, a two and a half million dollar facility. And the overhead is insane on the place, but it was the only way I could do it because there was no leaner startup model available for what I wanted to do because of the equipment cost and the specialist cost uh, in order to do brain hacking. And, and so I look at that, there's no way I could have done that if I wasn't doing all the other things I'm doing and if I hadn't spent a long time learning to be an entrepreneur. If I went to medical school today, uh, I would be a crappy entrepreneur for about eight years until I got my medical degree. So like, like there's a diversion there. And it's, I, I want doctors hearing this. And there's a lot of physicians who listen to this. Like It's okay to not be an entrepreneur. Like, like you, you might actually suck at being an entrepreneur like most human beings. You, you kind of need to have a broken brain to be a profoundly good entrepreneur. So that's why instead of, of trying to go out and hack it with this model, do the lean startup micro model where you don't really have to be an entrepreneur. You're like, I spend 80 to 90% of my time providing the standard of care that I dream of for my patients. And I spend a little bit of time taking care of the stuff that needs to be done because I have tools that automate it. And like, that's, that's freedom. Like, like that is such a cool thing. So there was this uh, one of the stories I talk about in my book. This doctor sort of had a meltdown. Her name's Dr. Pamela Weibel. She's actually the same woman that talks about the a physician suicide. And so she goes into her – she lives in, in Oregon, and she decides that she's going to start her own practice. So she talk about lean startup. She holds a town hall meeting in Eugene, Oregon, and invites as many people as she can. So there's a couple hundred people in the room and basically just asks them to air their grievances about medicine, what they'd like, what they don't like, and what they would like to see in an ideal medical practice. And so guess what? They want to spend time with their doctor. They want to know their doctor. They want to maybe have appointments in the evening that aren't during work times. And she was like, oh, that sounds interesting. This is all doable. So, you know, would you be willing to pay for a service like that? And they're like, yeah, I would. So look, she just pre-sold her whole community on her cash practice, <laughs> right? And so now she has direct primary care. So her overhead of her practice went from 74% to 10%. Low overhead environment, relationship focused. She's happy. The patients are happy. Everyone's getting what they want. It's not like a fancy concierge medicine practice where you're charging 30 grand a year over and above insurance. Direct primary care can be, I've seen direct primary care practices in the deep south that are $60 a month and are mainly just regular people who just want to know their doctor. Don't want to get shuffled off in a seven minute visit to someone whose only skill set is the differential diagnosis and handing over the prescription. And I think there's such a, there's such a desire in the patient population for relationship medicine and what functional medicine does is provide a structure to that and you no know, and 
the the sort of elephant in the room has been that functional medicine has been so inefficient because you take an hour and a half at the beginning and the visits are longer that we just couldn't scale up to meet the demand. And with the lean startup methodology, with technology, with things like provide a team. So using health coaches, maybe even a bulletproof coach and even things like, um, you know, uh, like using group structures. That's one of the ways that we've been able to get it to the underserved. You know, you put 15 people with the same disease in a room and you start them talking, guess what? Peer to peer accountability and support. People become friends and help each other out. They make each other their bulletproof coffee or whatever. But you're starting to actually access resources that are unlimited, like peer-to-peer support, and that's where we can scale this up. So I hope that some of the things that we're seeing right at the beginning of this industry will actually lead to us being able to scale up functional medicine in America and then, you know, everywhere else needs it too. I mean, literally, non-communicable disease is my dad lives in South Africa. You think African health issues, you think TB and cholera and typhoid, no, type 2 diabetes, heart disease and cancer all the way. Uh, I, I love the idea of this going global. And you just mentioned something. I, I know that, that the Bulletproof Coaching Program, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of these these executive coaches and to some extent health coaches, but they're, they're more focused on you know, human performance. Like how do you take a, a business person or, or just a, a person and, and show them how to perform better, which may include referring them to a functional medicine person if it's medical and if it's lifestyle, just showing them here's how to, how to, how to make a shift. And how, how are you working with the Bulletproof Coaching Program? How does the evolution of medicine, uh, your work, fit in with non-medical coaching? By the way, 20% of my coaches are medical anyway. But the non-medical part of those, what, what's, the, what's the story there for, for essentially the health coaches listening? Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect tie-up, Dave. So, you know, first of all, you know, the, the, the thing that I think is the most important is that everyone in this world needs to have a common language. And for me, the most likely common language is this functional medicine matrix because it has this timeline. Everyone can understand a patient's timeline. Hardly no one, do, hardly anyone does it, but it's important. You can look at the things that cause the disease and you get a, basically get a good idea of how someone's health has changed over time. So, you know, we're, we're actively pairing doctors with coaches. The first thing we did was start this thing, the functional forum. We've got 200 meetups of, of, of practitioners across the country. We've heard so many situations. All we wanted to do was to create collisions. So we see, we invite health coaches to go. We invite doctors to go. And at these events, they meet each other. They're like, oh, I'm a doctor. I just realized I need a coach. Oh, I'm a coach. Hey, let's see if we can work together. And, you know, the bulletproof coaching is just one of the, the, the trainings. But, you know, through that training, people are understanding inflammation, how to change behavior, you know, um, you know, looking at the things, you know, our, our theory, our, our thinking process of the future of medicine is that functional medicine is the operating system. Coaching is the, is the actual delivery system. So that's actually how you get change is through coaching. And then technology is what scales it all up and makes it all, you know, automated and, and efficient. And so I think, you know, you're right on point with the coaching. I know you have some, some goals for physician training too. And, you know, I think part of the reason why people are stepping up, like I was at the IFM conference last year, the bulletproof coaching or anytime there's a bulletproof booth at a conference, they're always like the most interesting people in the room. And so, you know, (laughs) people are flocking over there, getting the coffee. And I think that functional medicine doctors are realizing that bulletproof coaches are a good part of their clinic. And, um, you know, so I, I see these worlds coming together and that's, that's really exciting. It's a weird model because I believe the vast majority of people listening to the show and, and people out there, they have stuff that is, is a pre-disease state. And in fact, we're all going to get old and die. So that's just kind of the, the yep. way it is. 
maybe not me. I'm, I'm planning to opt out of getting old and die. Just kidding. Uh, but uh, what, what's happening there is, is you don't know if you've been walking around with something holding you back all this time because it's always been there or it, it crept in and, and so it's out of your awareness. And if you work with a performance coach, like, so why do you not have energy at the end of the day? Like you wanted to do it, you set an intention to do it, and then you didn't do it. Right. And one of the reasons might be because like you have some psychological work to do and you have some, some trauma. The story you tell yourself might be, oh, it's just because I'm weak. But what if the story is because there's something sucking energy that you didn't know about? Well, when one of the bulletproof coaches figures that out with, with someone, they're going to say, now you pick up the phone, now you call a functional medicine practitioner. And you go and you address it with lab work and you address it from a medical perspective and then you come back. So when you clear out the biological inhibitors of performance and then you put in the, the biological increasers of performance, like say brain octane oil, then you get to the next level where you can do the hard work on personal growth and psychology and be a good entrepreneur or a good parent or a good CEO or uh, whatever your deal is. But but that model of of not having a medical referral network it is tough because most people don't know they should see a functional medicine doctor. They only notice when, like, I can't walk anymore. You know, like, that pain you had 10 years ago might have been an indicator you should get it worked on. Absolutely. And so what I'm, you know, what I would hope, I mean, the reason why I created this book and the reason why it's free and available to anyone on Amazon the week of uh, October the 11th and then will be, will be cheap for any, I want patients who are fired up about this to go and give it to their doctor, you know, to go there and say, hey, read this. I hope that my book will be an asset that will convince the middle of the bell curve of doctors to practice functional, because not only is it going to actually deliver the kind of, allow them to practice the care that they've always wanted to practice and they thought they were going to practice in medical school, but actually give them a a structure to be able to do that. Because what we see a lot, Dave, is, you know, doctor wants to do it. They take some courses, they're excited. They can't quit their job because they got a mortgage, right? They got a mortgage. They can't quit their job. So then it's like, okay, how do I do this? So now it's like, oh, you start your functional medicine practice on a Saturday morning and you see, you know, a few patients here and there, you see family members who you're just learning and now they're getting better. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you renegotiate your thing with the hospital. So instead of doing five, eight hour days, you're doing four, 10 day, two hour days. And now you're practicing on Fridays and then you get a bit more momentum. And then suddenly a company wants to hire you because you were dealing with their employees and suddenly you know, you, you can quit your job and you can build across that sort of titration is the practical side. I spoke to thousands of doctors for a decade and it was typically some sort of practical thing that was holding them back from practicing this type of medicine. And I hope what this book will do is to give enough examples of incredible doctors who, you know, heroic doctors who didn't have a roadmap, didn't really know what to do and worked it out on the fly like Hyman like Eamon, all those guys. And now, now you don't even have to be a health celebrity like those guys. What we're talking about is a reproducible model in every zip code. Not every functional medicine doctor could be a health celebrity. You know, we need to have a reproducible model for every zip code in the country. And I hope that the micro practice is going to be it. Well, I have great hopes as well. And I appreciate the work you're doing uh, for doctors. Uh, For people listening to the show, the book is called The Evolution of Medicine. And if you're a, a physician, you totally should read the book because it'll let you reevaluate what you do every day with your time because it, it, it's not about just putting food on the table. It's about how you spend every minute of the rest of your life. And, and this is true for people who aren't physicians as well. You read the book 
you want to know what your doctor's going through, you want to choose the right functional medicine uh, practitioner, there's stuff in here for you as well. But I, I, I know there's a huge number of, of physicians who listen to Bulletproof Radio because, well, I know I only piss them off sometimes uh, with some of the things I say, but generally there's something new and interesting, at least, at least thought-provoking. Uh, this is change your life physician-wise, and this is a bring about change for everyone listening where you actually might like your doctor, you might know your doctor, you might have the same doctor for 10 years, and it might be more affordable than what you're used to doing. And certainly you'll have more energy and you'll feel better along the way. And like I, I think that's one of the, the most important things you can do as a human being. No, absolutely. And I appreciate you, you sharing that, Dave, and I hope they do read the book. One other thing that we're offering for non-physicians, so anyone who's listening, is um, you're going to be able to, if you follow the link in the in the show notes, you're going to be able to actually do your functional medicine intake form. So independent of the doctor, you're going to be able to go through the intake form. It's going to be able to show you your health from a functional medicine perspective. And then you can print that sucker out, take it to the doctor, your doctor, and say, hey, look at this, take a look. And the doctor's probably going to go, yeah, that looks super interesting, but I don't know what it is. And then there'll be a link to the book and they can get the book and then they can find out more about it. So we're trying to engage. There are people who are listening to your show who are super passionate about seeing wellness and medicine merge. That's the bridge. You've built it from the biohacking end. We're building it from the medical end and we're going to meet in the middle. And the cool thing is the longer that the powers that be go on ignoring it, the more likely that the medical system will be like bulletproof or evolution of medicine and not like, I don't know, Kaiser Permanente or, you know, any of the other like Aetna or whatever. You really think anyone under 40 has any allegiance to Aetna or Blue Cross Blue Shield or anything like that? No way. You know, so I think there's an opportunity right now for the people that have been, you know, that have been doing this right all along that have, you know, set up the right systems or, you know, doing it because of their own moral obligation to actually potentially take over a whole industry. And that's what I'm hoping to uh, empower. Well, on that note, uh, there's a question I've asked every guest on Bulletproof Radio. And I want to ask you, because you might have a different perspective on this. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, look, I'm going to perform better at everything I do in my life. What are the three most important pieces of advice that you would have for them? I mean, you, you look at this as an economist, as a health-oriented guy with all your knowledge of medical practice, but all the other stuff in your life, too. You're, you're a broad guy. But what would you tell them? Well, look, I, I got one little hack that I wanted to talk about, and maybe this is a good opportunity. So last year, I was at a functional medicine conference. There was this guy there who's from the UCLA Stress Lab. And they've got this new world called human social genomics. And this world has only been possible because now you can do um, genomic profiling every three months and see the changes in epigenetic expression. And he says from their research that the biggest driver of of uh, all-cause mortality is not nutrition, exercise, or smoking. It's relationships. It's it's the way that you interact with other people. It's um, social isolation. It's friendships and connections. So, you know, one of the things that we really encourage all of our doctors to do, and, and in through, you'll read it in the book as well, is to anytime you're encouraging patients to do healthy behaviors, to do it with a group of people because it can be, it can improve the accountability, but there's just something really powerful about, you know, our tribal natures and wanting to be with other people. And so I would say that social isolation um, would be so, you know, um, finding ways to connect with other people about things that you're passionate about, especially if those things are health related, I think is the, is the number one hack, um, you know, that I would recommend. That was your number one. What are your two and three? So, um, 
you know, two and three, I would say uh, I'm a big microbiome geek. I, I found out about that. I think just as the research was coming out, I wrote like 12 articles from Mind Body Green back in 2012, I think, um, about it. So, you know, getting time to uh, to be in nature and just, um, you know, spending time to breathe in microbes. Uh, that's another reason why it's healthy probably to hang out with other healthy people as you're building other people's microbes. So, you know, getting into nature and getting sources of microbes that are diverse, I think is a huge one. And then uh, I think the third one would have to be uh, just, uh, you know, meeting all different types of people. I mean, for the same reason, microbially diverse communities. I think that uh, I met someone the other day who'd never left the state of California and he was the same age as me and I, I couldn't believe it. And I think that particularly in America, um, I think that it's, it's a very, um, it's a, it's a very, like, it's a very single culture. And, and I, I feel like, uh, some of the best ways that I've learned to understand myself and others has been through travel. And so I guess those are my three tips and, and you can see they're not medical because I'm not a doctor. I hear you there. And I appreciate your knowledge there. And thanks for being on the show. Uh, this is uh, James Damascal from Evolution Medicine. What URL should people go to to learn about your book? So if you go to our website is goevomed.com, G-O-E-V-O-M-E-D.com. Uh, it's available for free the 11th to the 16th of October, and you can get it on audiobook. I know a lot of people say that their ears have more free time than their eyes, so we got it on audiobook. You can get it on Amazon and um yeah, Go Evo Med is a good place to to get in touch with us, and um, we look forward to uh, helping as much as we can. Beautiful, thanks, James. If you like today's show, head on over to bulletproof.com and try Brain Octane Oil if you haven't done it yet. There's coconut oil, which is good for you and cheap. There's MCT oil, which causes gastric distress and raises ketones a little bit. And there's brain octane oil, which has much less gastric distress and is shown in a clinical study to raise your ketone levels far, far higher. So if you've been putting coconut oil in your coffee and you like it, you have no idea what's possible when you put brain octane oil in there. It takes between 10 and 18 times more coconut oil to, to distill out just the precious good parts in brain octane oil. So head on over to bulletproof.com check out Brain Octane Oil. You try it once, it will change the quality of your day that day. It's so amazing. And while you're at it, head on over to goevomed.com and check out the new book that James just came out with and learn a little bit more about what your physician's going through and maybe you can find the perfect functional medicine practitioner to add to your arsenal for your personal performance. Have an awesome day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. 
this podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.